You're listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Washington, D.C. office. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Beltway Beef podcast. This is Ashley, and I'm joined again by Dusty Holly and Pat Durden, both from the Florida Cattlemen. On last week's podcast, we talked about how waters of the United States regulations can impact farmers and ranchers, and when done wrong, when there's government overreach, how they can be devastating to especially small and and mid-sized farms and ranches. So we have Pat and Dusty back on today to talk a little bit more about the significant investments that farmers and ranchers are already making in conservation practices and how they can work hand in hand with lawmakers and and decision makers to make sure that the regulations or the policies that are being made actually work for farmers and ranchers on the ground and the work that's already being done is recognized. So Dusty and Pat, both of you have brought this up about how sometimes, you know, oftentimes there is disconnect between D.C. and what's actually happening on farms and ranches. And no matter if an idea is well intended, right, like I think we can all get behind clean, fresh water, the preservation of plant life, the preservation of wildlife. But if the idea doesn't work in real life and doesn't work for, you know, farmers and ranchers who are doing that conservation work, it's not a good idea. So it's important for policymakers and and folks who are making decisions to truly understand the impact of those decisions. And I think another part of that disconnect is what farmers and ranchers are already doing to be you know, the original conservationists and and preserving and and protecting the land and upholding water quality. So, Pat, can you talk about what you're specifically doing on your operation? I mean, it sounds uh, a little germane, but, you know, cross fencing, uh, fencing cattle out of areas that we don't have to let them go in. We have a few places where we we can go and, and cut off that piece of property with a fence line and keep the cattle out of a specific creek or spring head, things like that. We we also, you know, do some terracing, you know, just kind of slows that water down as it's as it is leaving the ranch to, you know, so it soaks in instead of creating erosion. But, you know, it also helps filter that water a little bit more before it actually hits the, the creek and things like that. You know, I, I love to hear about how much fertilizer ranchers use because it's it it's almost comical because we can't afford it <laughs> most of the time. So we're, we're really we do. A uh, very minimal amount of fertilization. Uh, I mean, it's it really doesn't pay off for us to do a lot of fertilizing. Uh, it's not economically sustainable in, in the first place. We implement, obviously, in our best management practices through the Florida Department of Agriculture. I just met with one of their uh, environmental specialists uh, a couple of months ago and updated all of our information with them. So that's a uh, kind of some record keeping and a little site visit from those guys. So they're, you know, that's people on the ground actually doing these things. I mean, that's the kind of funny thing when the federal government wants to make a big regulation, they never put enough money in it to actually even see who's doing what. 
Uh, I mean, they just kind of leave it out there and, and hope y'all figure it out. If not, some poor guy down the, you know, down the road that didn't really know about something ends up, you know, getting in trouble. But but there's no real working way that a lot of their regulations can be done. It's just there and it's burdensome and there's no there's no real help or effort by the federal government to to make those things actually come to fruition. Uh, a lot of times. And what I mean by that, I think, is that, you know, it's kind of like I want you to go build a house, but I'm not going to give you any tools to do it. And you can just go figure it out. Well, that's that's a pretty poor way to start a plan to, to do something. I just think that we work best with people that are on the ground that can look us in the eye and we can really sit down and understand these things. And we're already doing this. I mean, you can spend stuff however you want, but. And to add on to that, my family's operation are all, not only our, our home ranch, but all of our leased properties are enrolled in, in best management practices. And it's kind of interesting to me because some of our, some of our lease properties are in the Okeechobee watershed, which is a, well-known watershed down here in, in South Central Florida. And um, some of those properties are over a hundred miles from that lake, yet they're in that watershed and we're doing our part over a hundred miles away where that water system starts to be enrolled in those best management practices that are solely based on water quality and quantity. Our family operation is doing that and has for a long time, but you know, Pat, uh, not not only on the water side, but I know this for a fact on some of the land that, that Pat manages for himself and for his family, uh, they, they do quite a bit for the wildlife too, uh, wildlife specific food plots, wildlife, uh, wildlife specific riparian areas. Um, so he was being a little modest when he was just talking about some of the BMPs and other water stuff. Outside of that, there's other conservation efforts they do that just aren't necessarily water focused. But across our industry and through our members, man, there's some amazing large scale and small scale water projects that they're doing um, where they're taking land out of production and flooding low lying areas and holding that water back, giving it time to filter and sheet flow like it naturally should. There's a lot of ranchers that do those type of of programs. There's a lot of ranchers that are able to adjust the flow onto and off of their, off of their operations. And a lot of the land that my family leases um, are in areas that are highly developed. We may be completely surrounded by subdivisions and we're the only thing there that is water related. We are doing these projects to do good things for water. And yet, as soon as you turn it into a housing development, the regulation's gone. But anyway, there's all types of projects that, that cattlemen do, that, that, that my family does, that Pat and his family do, but uh, uh, that cattlemen across the, across the state do to ensure good water quality. Man, we're, we're dedicated to this way of life. We're dedicated to protecting the land. We're dedicated to protecting the water. And each year, our president kind of sets a theme. Last year, Gene Lawless had one that was really cool. It was open gates, open minds. Okay. It was, let's bring these people to our operations. Let's show them 
the good work we're doing. And by these people, I mean those who may have negative thoughts about our industry, those decision makers who may say, oh, agriculture is bad for the environment or whatever. Open gate, open minds. And this year's Cliff Coddington's theme is let's ride together. Okay, so let's all work together. So all these themes, one, they're heartfelt. uh, I mean, they're sincere, but we mean that. If there's folks from the EPA, if there's folks from the Hill, if there's folks who want to learn more about the positive impacts that cattle ranching has on the environment. So when folks hear this podcast, if they have a connection or or need to have a connection and learn more about this for positive good, we'd love to have them reach out to us at Florida Cattlemen's or to NCBA, and we can work something out because we want to have, we want to open those gates we want to open those minds. We want to all ride together towards a better future, cleaner water, more abundant water, more abundant wildlife. And we can do that and we can do it together. You know, so it's very clear that you both and, you know, I w- would extend that to the the broader cattle and, and beef industry. You're willing to work with folks and, and willing to explain to decision makers, you know, how these decisions impact them. And Dusty, this might be one for you specifically. And and Pat, I would love your perspective as well. We know that the Biden administration is going to do something. They've already announced that they're going to repeal and replace NWPR. Um, They're already doing roundtables and engaging with stakeholders to try to figure out what they're going to do for their new rule. In your opinion, what is the best possible outcome here? What do you want to see? I want to see our industry, the rest of agriculture, uh, municipalities, uh, power companies, any groups that a new rule will affect. I want to see them come together and work on science-based solutions. And I have a pet peeve when we're listening on these roundtables and we're dealing with these folks and people come in and the first part of their comments are, we need to get rid of the dirty water rule. Man, that just shows me that those people have been fed some propaganda and they're repeating some propaganda when all they can talk about is the dirty water rule. They won't call it by their its proper name. They don't want to learn anything about it. They've just been told that it's bad by somebody. And so they're going to say it's bad. They don't come with any scientific data like we do. They don't come with any solutions like we do. They don't come with an open mind to talk about this stuff. And so I I would like for the administration to take that into account. When you have stakeholders, and it's not just the ag industry, like I said, there's municipalities, there's builders, uh, there's even some uh, open-minded environmental groups that want to sit and have real conversations. And so I hope that one, they have those open science-based conversations with the people that aren't just showing up with propaganda, you know, that it's folks who are coming with real solutions. So one, I hope they listen to those groups and not just our groups, all the groups that are truly coming with an open mind. I want them to listen to that. But at the end, I would like to see a rule that protects our water without being a federal, huge federal overreach on the type of waters that they regulate and one that doesn't show duplicative action on top of regulation, on top of rules that already exist in states where good water policies already in place. So how do we get there? Maybe that's your next question, right? Well, one, uh, 
I think we need to have a, a good open dialogue, not only with the administration, but also with our elected officials um, that may have sway, uh, may be able to, to write letters and send letters and hold hearings and add good scientific information that the administration can look at and, and read into. I think they need to hear from the grassroots. There's a really great sign-on letter that NCBA has provided. It's like the support, clean water, and clear rules letter. And boy, that just says it succinctly. Yeah, we're for clean water, but we're also for clear rules. This moving target that we've had for 15 years, that's untenable. You know, you just can't say, all right, everybody, these are the rules you're going to play with. And then, and then six months later, oh, we were kidding. You know, we're going to go back through and do it again. And you can sign on to that letter and send it to the EPA. I uh, know on NCBA's uh, website, uh, the FCA uh, Facebook page, or even if you sign up for the FCA e-news. Well, thanks, Dusty. I really appreciate you talking through all of those things because I think it's important for people to understand that farmers and ranchers are willing to sit at the table and, and have conversations and work to come up with a solution that allows farmers and ranchers to continue to be stewards of the land and, you know, uphold those conservation practices that, you know, Pat, you mentioned earlier, they spend a lot of time and a significant amount of money investing in. And so just to wrap up today, Pat, I'd love to just hear your perspective in, you know, a couple of sentences. If you had to sum it up to someone who was making a decision that, you know, will ultimately impact your operation, impact your livelihood, what would you say on this topic? What I would tell a legislator or regulator is, uh, Dusty hit on this, but I, I really would say, come visit us. Farmers and ranchers are actually some of the proudest people I know, because a lot of times it's multi-generation and they are proud to show off what they've done on their ranch, what they got from their grandfather and their father or their great, great grandfather. I mean, and the improvements that they've made and the changes. And and sometimes it's not improvements. It's just how they've kept it, you know, as it was. And, and I really think that those people need to take a really big, you, we mentioned science base, but there also needs to be a true economics plays a role in all these things. I mean, and, and you have to balance those two things, because like I say, you can get the, the results result you're not looking for if you put too much burden on some of these ranches and farms. And, and then they go from those things to strip malls. And, and that's not what we want. That's not what they want. And if they, they're more than welcome, I, I mean, I've got friends from North Dakota to Montana to Texas to Florida, and I know those those families, and, and it is heartfelt that they truly care about the land, the environment, and the water. And that if they want to visit one, just reach out to NCBA or their state cattlemen's association and go on a ranch tour or a visit. It doesn't have to be a tour. I mean, just a visit with that ranching family. And, and I guarantee them they will walk away with a new perspective and it'll make them really, really think about what they're doing because best thing they could do to me a lot of times is support the local effort, the state effort. There's a lot of good that's going on. Uh, I really... I, I don't mean this in a bad way, but I've never seen a federal regulation that made significant change and improvement it, as a direct result. Usually they're behind the curve and, and we're and we're we're a decade ahead of them. 
and and they're they're putting us backwards a lot of times with the regulation. You know, I mean that seems kind of funny to say, but that's really what they do a lot of times. They're they're behind the curve. Come catch up. Come get on the ground in whatever state that they can get on a ranch or farm and just sit down with those folks because I'm telling you, they're doing everything that they really already want them to do, accomplishing those goals. So make sure you're not writing up something that's going to impede that. That's the key. Make sure you're not creating something that's going to impede the progress that is being made. Well, Pat and Dusty, thank you so much for joining the podcast. I think you know, the perspective you shared and, and the stories and, and the real life impact um, testimony that you all shared, I think is is very important for folks who are making the decisions to understand and, and just really appreciate you taking the time to do that today. This has been another episode of Beltway Beef. Don't forget to check us out online at policy.ncba.org or catch the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, including SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts.